Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 and get in line with your questions, comments, or concerns. Greg's waiting for you, and all you need to do is give him your name and where you're calling from. And thanks for having me on your show. Give a call, and we'll talk about plants, ups and downs, and all arounds. Uh, the annuals, how about those pansies and stuff? <sighs> I don't know. Pansies, you know, I like them much better in the spring than I do in the fall. Yeah, it seems like when people get them, they spread them out too much in the fall because they don't, they're really not going to grow all that much. So you're probably better off if you do get some pansies and you do like them, pack them tightly so they can create a better impact. Rather than, you know, spacing them out too much, then it just kind of looks like, uh, I don't want to say litter, but litter. Anyway, bulbs, edibles, ground covers, houseplants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts. Always remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but strictly offered as an option to consider. As I said before, Greg is producing today, and uh, during the week I do landscape consulting, and I do it on the weekends as well. I'm headed over to O'Fallon, Illinois today after the show. And so what that means is I come to your home, and we talk about things that you've noticed that were problematic or what aesthetic or whatever it happens to be. How these are set up, well, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. The homepage will have my email and phone number. And uh, sometimes it's easier if you just email me. We can kind of go from there. But you can call if you want to. Sometimes a calling goes back and forth and back and forth. And when I come to your home, I will share 40 years plus experience. And we can take a look at what's going on. Uh, tip of the trowel is a special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me, and it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Today's tip of the trowel, actually two different circumstances. Uh, Shaw Art Fair, that's the one that's uh, in the Shaw, let's say, now it's Floor Place Park. Wow, so they got fancy, smancy signs. But it's basically right across the street from the Botanical Garden. But it's this art fair, Tracy and I love it. It's, you know, it's a little bit different. It's a little bit, uh, you know, I don't want to say quirky, but quirky in a way. But uh, the art fair was great, wonderful. I mean, I can give it a tip of the trial. But I'll tell you, there was one yard along Flora there that totally caught me by surprise. Now, I forget exactly what these, I think they're rocking horses. They're like horses that, you know, kids use, young kids that are on stands that have springs. This yard had uh, probably 25, if not higher, up a tree trunk. I think it was a sycamore. I can't really remember. They had all these horses attached to the tree trunk with straps and stuff like that. I have never seen anybody do something that wild and crazy. You know, as far as like there must have been like maybe 25 or so of them up this tree trunk. 
And so consequently, but that wasn't the thing that really caught my eye. From a distance, I saw these things that kind of looked like a white ball with kind of colorful spikes coming out of it, and they were on some kind of like metal stem or something. I thought, what is this? So as we got closer, I got a better look at it. And what they'd done is taken golf balls, glued colorful golf ball tees onto the golf balls, and then before that they probably had actually penetrated the golf balls so they could put these metal rods. So their front yard was, it looked like something from outer space. So this was totally caught me completely by surprise. So that's the tip of the trials for that house and the Shaw Art Fair. Also, the tip of the trial goes out to the Green Center. The Green Center is in University City on Blackberry Avenue. On November 4th, November 4th they're going to have their 10th annual Fall Fire Festival. It is great. They have food. They have beverages. They have food trucks there and everything else, all kinds of and, I mean, they have huge bonfires. It is really an event that goes on and on and on. So that's at the Green Center. You can go online to the Green Center and just check it out. And that's on November 4th. And you can, uh, you know, check, just do it. Also, the Green Center is where on October 24th at about 6 o'clock, I forget exactly what time, I'll be giving a talk there at the Green Center on Blackberry Avenue in University City on why I like or I like plants better than people. So it's kind of a, you know, just my sort of nutty personality. So the Green Center, two different things. The Fall Fire Festival, the 10th annual, and also, well, the discounted rate is all the way up until noon, November 4th. So anyway, just go online, find out exactly the date for this. But I think it is on November 4th, but... Uh, Hmm. I should know this information more than a given again. People at the Green Center do a great job with all kinds of things. It's a center that's really focused on getting younger kids into the outdoors and really kind of finding out what's going on out there as opposed to just, let's say, living their life electronically. And that's what is a neat thing about the Green Center. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We did have some rain this past week. Thank goodness it did help a little bit. And I think it's supposed to rain overnight tonight. But still, the ground is not saturated enough. You don't want to saturate it, but the ground is still dry. So if you got a chance... And you want to go ahead, stick your sprinkler out there, keep your irrigation system you know, going. That's probably the advisable thing to do. Let's go over to Nashville, Illinois, into Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Hey, good morning, Mike. Hi. I have a question I have a question about uh, a flower bed I put in the spring. I planted uh, tulips, 18-inch high, growing red tulips uh-huh. with some crocus around the front. And I never dug the bulbs up, so I was wondering. People were telling me I should have dug up the bulbs after they're done blooming, and I didn't do that. So I was wondering what's going to happen this coming spring with those, and also what other kind of flowers can do people plant when you have like a tulip bed? You know, I'm kind of reaching out to try to find some other kind of plants that would try to give you a season-long flower bed after the tulips are finished. Well, I don't know who told you that you need to dig up your bulbs, but that was completely wrong. 
I will well, tell you I'm, that sometimes the tulips don't go, you know, they don't come back, you know, the, their longevity factor is not all that great. Now, other things that you can, you know, mix in with the tulips and the crocus is, you know, daffodils, if you want to mix that in. If you want, you know, something else beyond that, do you want, you can put pansies in for annuals. Are you looking for, you know, something more colorful-wise? I'm assuming this area is in the sun as opposed to the shade. That's correct, yes. So then you it's could... in the sun. So then... You know, you could do something like uh, black-eyed Susans or Coreopsis moonbeam, which will give you, you know, summertime color, and then asters for the fall. But no, you don't dig up tulips every year. That would be completely absurd. But what I have found, you know, over the years, because they've been hybridized and everything else to a high extent, they're maybe two years out of them, and that's going to be about all you're going to get. Where with daffodil bulbs, you're going to get about, you know, any place between six and eight years, and then they just kind of I don't want to say poop out, but they poop out. Okay. All right. So I should at least get two years out of these. Right. Out of these tulips. And then, okay, and, if, great. and people always say or think that you just stick them in the ground and leave them alone. I fertilize mine. As I have said, and I grow all, you know, majority of mine anymore in pots. But as soon as the foliage starts coming up in the springtime, I use a water-soluble type fertilizer, and I fertilize them like when the leaves are about an inch high, and then I fertilize them every couple weeks while they're growing, up until the flowering okay. time. Ah, uh, okay. All right. And your crocus. So do I have to do, do, do I have to thin the tulip bulbs out, or I just leave them growing the way they are? Just leave them growing where the, the way they are. The crocus could give you okay. several years. There's other smaller type bulbs like grape hyacinths, which will, you know, you could mix in with that to give you a little bit more spring color as, you know, as well. That'll be a bulb form that has, a, you know, crocus and grape hyacinths both have a really long life. Okay. Well, that's why I was trying to get some longevity to everything. But, right. but then, you know, I just had, you know, and everybody, some people told me that even the botanical garden replant their bulbs every year. They do, they yes, because they wanted, perf you know, perfection. But that's, you know, that's, that's the same way with me. I don't keep my bulbs. You know, I, I buy new ones from Operation Brightside every year, and I just, put, you know, I put them in. That's just, you know, my, just my way of doing it. It's kind of like buying annuals. I, you know, uh -huh. that's just my own personal philosophy. I'm not telling everybody to do that by any means. All right. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Yep. And But for the fertilizing is really important. And the soil, very well-drained soil, high organic content. Tracy and I have both been to, uh, let's say, the Netherlands, where you know the bulbs are historically from. Giant fields of them. It's not in, over the whole country. It's only in certain parts. But it's in where Alsace, no, it's not Alsace-Lorraine. But it's basically an area that's potentially flooded that they dammed off. So it's really well-drained fields. Let's go now to Godfrey, Illinois, and into Ann's yard. Hi, Ann. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a question. Between my neighbors and myself, we have three pecan trees, um, and uh, two of them are fairly large, and one is kind of on the medium size. And for the last two years, there's been no meat in the pecans. Really? Yes. Um, I just went and picked a bunch off of all three trees yesterday and cracked them open, and there's nothing in them. Basically, to me, that has to say our screwball weather. Okay. I don't see anything else that could be causing that. Okay. So, I mean, the pecans are, they, they're not, you know, they're not touchy. I mean, they're, I think they may be native, 
But I don't think there's anything. If the trees look healthy, if the leaves look healthy, then it's related. Because anything that produces a nut, produces a tomato, produces any kind of edible stuff, it really stresses the plant out. And if they're stressed due to the weather, then their ability to do, let's say, good production is, not, is going to be somewhat limited. Okay. All right, because I'm trying to raise some for the Nature Institute this coming year. Ah, um, last year we tried it and all the nuts were bad too. So, right. Um, and they are native. So, um, you know, we can have them around. Right. And success. But right. Boy, the last two years have really <laughs> been frustrating. <laughs> it is. It's very frustrating. All right. Thank you very much. Yep. And a good way to tell how good your nuts are. I mean, going out and cracking them open and stuff. Find out, you know, just watch and see how many squirrels are headed over there. Because if the squirrels are not getting them, that means there's nothing in there to eat. So let's stay in Illinois and go to Collinsville and into Dora's yard. Hi, Dora. Hi, Mike. I have a question about, and I might not pronounce this right, W-E-I-G-L-A, Wine and Roses. Wiglia? Yeah, Wigelia. Oh, that's fancy. Okay, Wigelia. They were put in in um, 14 beginning or the end of 13 and they were small and they weren't trimmed and then now they're big there's two of them that are really huge and this year they just had wood and then leaves on the end but they bloomed so i knew i couldn't trim them because i'd be trimming off the blooms when i want to get them down to where they're not so huge do i cut them back and when can I do that? Basically, you've got about a couple months after they finish flowering to go ahead and prune them. Okay, now they just finished flowering. The right. one did because of the hot weather. I guess I had blooms on it, so I was afraid to touch them. Yeah, so you can all the way through the winter time. Now, no, I, this variety I'm not totally familiar with. Does historically, it's a summer bloomer, correct? Correct. So Correct. you you got all the way from the time that the foliage starts falling off until the new new foliage starts coming off the stems, which is going to be probably you know April, you know maybe March, whoever you got. Okay, now six, I'm going to need to cut them back. There, there's some big sticks that got nothing on them. Yeah, so cut so them. I assume get I can of, cut them all the way down. Yes, you know, cut those completely all the way down. And then the, I think I'm supposed to take a third of the plant only is what I was told by somebody. Just don't cut the part where they bloomed all the way down. Just cut it down a third. So I, I was just concerned. I didn't know if I could do it yet or if it was too late to do it. No, no, year. you can go ahead and do it. Okay, I appreciate it. Thank yeah. you for all you do. You've got a lot of information. I'm not a gardener, but I do like these. Now, say it again for me. Why, Julia? Why, Julia, I'm going to write it down. Okay, thank you very much, sir. Yes, and it looks like Brian Kelly's in here. What's happening? I heard you talking about nuts and thought that was my cue. No, actually, I wanted to update motorists on westbound 44 at Six Flags Road. It's still, it's either closed, there might be a shoulder open, maybe a lane, but it's really, really backed up. Another emergency vehicle is just getting there. Maybe a tow truck, can't tell. But uh, if you can avoid westbound 44 approaching Six Flags Road, it's a big backup. It's a big mess, and I don't know at this time how long it's going to be there. That sounds horrible. All yeah. the tractor trailers and everything else, oh, yeah. it is going to be a nightmare. So. Exactly. Don't so. try to avoid. Just avoid. Just do it. <laughs> right. <laughs> Thanks, Brian. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. 
Smith looking left. Under pressure, turns back right for the end zone. Caught by Kelsey! Only one NFL team is 5-0 on the season. Touchdown! Kansas City! And this Sunday, the Chiefs try to make it 6-0 as they tackle the Steelers at Arrowhead. Touchdown! And you can hear it here on your home for Chiefs football, KMOX. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller, sponsored by Allen's Tree Service on KMOX. Yes, folks, questions, concerns, comments, 1-800-925-1120 or 314-436-7900. I knew the weather was really changing besides, you know, the daylight length and all that other stuff. It's getting dark by 7 o'clock. Ah! I hate it. But anyway, beyond that, I noticed the other day I started to hear crows. So the crows usually migrate north when it starts getting warm, and then they come back this direction when it starts getting cold. So I started hearing more and more crows and also starlings. I started to see more starlings. Like they always, they're in gangs of like 10 or 15 or 20 or 50 or whatever they happen to be. But anyway, uh, on the I was looking out the window on the street. There was a whole big bunch of starlings, and I don't know what they were eating off the street, but there wasn't much there on the street to eat. So, uh, you know, they're kind of a nutty bird anyway. And speaking of birds, yeah, on Wednesday I was out working in the yard, and I went into the garage, and uh, a goldfinch got trapped in the garage. So I got him kind of cornered. I was going to reach and pick him up and just – or I'm sure it was a he because of the color. They're not totally bright yet, but getting fairly close. And just as I was going to pick him up and take him out, he said, I know the way out. And But anyway, if you want to have a great year for, you know, doing the birds as far as bird watching, thistle seed, that's the best thing for finches, oiled sunflower for cardinals, and, you know, like the doves, they like a mixed type seed. That's the bird story. Joanne lives in South County. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Mike. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I have zoysia, mm-hmm. and I was wondering, how often do you need to fertilize that? Basically, as soon as it starts greening up, I fertilize that at that point or that time. Then I fertilize every month all the way up until mid to late September. Oh, till September, huh? Yeah. And, okay, and do you put that free whatever it is uh, down to stop the weeds or whatever they call it? Well, there's weeby gones and stuff like that. I do a lot of hand weeding because I like to see what kind of weeds there are. But no, I use like a a weeby gone type thing to get rid of some of the broadleaf weeds. And for like nut sedge, you know, I use a sedge injured, you know, which is another type of herbicide. So I hand dig and I use herbicides both. Oh, okay. Well, preen. I think that's what I was thinking oh, of. Preen. Like, yeah, preen should not be used in lawns. Preen is for garden bed space. Oh, okay. Why, I'm not exactly sure, but uh-huh. I have not really read the label, but they don't recommend using preen on lawn. Oh, okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. Oh, I have one other question. Sure. I have this magnolia tree that's about two years old now, and I would like to move it. Would I be taking a chance on moving it? That it like this fall when it gets a little colder? Uh, you could do it now, basically. Just get it moved as soon as you possibly can. Have the area prepared where you're going to move it to. And uh, it's not ideal because you're going to have to cut the existing root system, but uh, just make sure the root ball is you know, somewhat substantial so you can keep as many roots attached to the tree trunk, to the crown, uh-huh. as possible. Okay. Well, great. Thank you so much. Yep. And for anybody with the magnolias and the dogwoods and things like that, 
check the end of the branches. The, the flower buds should be formed by now. If you don't have flower buds on the end of your branches, either the you know the plant has had some trouble, whether it's you know dogwood, magnolia, anything that flowers in the springtime tree wise. Or there is, you know, some problems when you pruned wrong time and all that other kind of stuff. So Al lives in Baldwin. Hi, Al. Good morning, Mike. Hi. Uh, I've got a couple of questions for you. Uh, first of all, I've got a fern. I'm not sure of the variety of it. Uh, it sits in a uh, kind of a globe pot that's about 10 inches in diameter at the widest, and that's about six inches deep. The whole plant is about 20 inches high. And over the years, it uh, has become root-bound in there. I thought about replanting it many times, but I couldn't get it out of the pot. Now it uh, freed itself by pushing out the side of the pot. So I want to replant it. Can I take any, uh, can or should I take any of that uh, root ball off, trim it on the side so I could put it in a little smaller pot to start, or should I leave the root ball intact? You should probably leave it intact. Water it really well before you do this. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you want to... If you want to divide it, you know, you can cut it up into pieces, but just I to see. prune the roots back, that's not necessarily a good idea. I mean, you're yeah. going to some of the roots are going to be damaged just by repotting anyway. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, there's a certain let's say ratio between the amount of roots and the above ground, you know, fern yeah. fronds or with any plant with leaves. Sure. And you I reduce see. one, it's going to impact the other one. So that's why I say probably, you know, watch out about doing that. Okay. Then the other thing, I've got a plant that I want to take a uh, take a cutting off to, uh, you know, restart another plant. Uh, you put that in water, and is there some? I've heard there's some kind of special stuff you put in the water to uh, accelerate the root growth or enhance the root growth. Or, well, what kind of plant is it? Well, <laughs> I knew you would ask that. My wife's not here. I didn't think to ask her before I call in. Uh, <laughs> it's it's yeah. I mean, it's got it's not like a, a fern. It has individual leaves and. Uh, okay, so it's a I, tropical. It's a house plant type thing. It's a house plant. Yeah, it's not okay. a tropical plant. That's okay, so in essence, you can do that, or you can take a cutting and get some rooting hormone at your favorite garden center and do that. If I was going to take cuttings though on anything, I would not do it going into wintertime. I would just wait until the days start getting longer again. So wait until after oh. the first of the year. So you couldn't even put it by, you know, take that cutting and put it in the house by the window? Or- you could do that. I mean, it may work fine. It's just it's more advisable to not do it. And, tro- mm-hmm. you know, tropical houseplants, whether it's a philodendron, pothos, or whatever it happens to be, you know, mm-hmm. mother-in-law's tongue, there's all kinds of different things. They may be fine, but uh, you just, you know, that's just one factor that may have, you know, an impact on good success. And you could use, you know, put them in water, just watch the roots, or you could, you know, get some of the rooting hormone, mix it in with the water, or just take the cutting, dip it into the rooting hormone, which is a powder, and then just put it in a potting mixer in a different pot or things like that. Okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Yep. And with your fern, too, uh, you know, pulling it out of the existing pot, uh, you're going to reduce some of the root mass. Just make sure, like I said, it's really well watered and shake it a little bit and then make sure the pot that you're putting it back into, you're adding some new potting mix to it. So let's go now to Marie in South County. Hi, Marie. Hi. Um, thanks for your info. And I was wondering, I had heard that um, evergreens like coffee grounds, and I didn't know if it's okay to to put those on evergreens, or if I should, if I do, if I should, you know, put them in different spots. Uh, basically, what the coffee grounds do is they offer a little bit of acidity. So certainly, you can put them out there. You know, coffee grounds, unless you drink coffee 24 hours a day, I don't know how many coffee grounds you're actually going to get. But just, you know, dumping a few coffee grounds here, there, and everywhere, I'm assuming on top of mulch and stuff, is probably not going to do all that much good. You could do it. My grandmother always did it. 
and she always put eggshells around certain things and this and that. Or you can just, you know, if you want to do that, that's great, that's fine. And again, it's to make the soil more acidic, or you can just go and get a product that's specifically made to make the soil acidic. Okay. And also, I was wondering, uh, with the dry weather, uh, is it good to, I heard that azaleas are shallow-rooted. Is it good to, like, water those lightly every day, or, or is it better to soak them, you know, like an inch a week, or do both when it's real dry? And is it, is it also the same thing with rhododendrons? Yeah, with both of them, they're surface-rooted, but yeah, watering a day, yeah, once a day doesn't do anything. You're better off to soak the ground, you know, like with an inch or so, you know, one every, you know, once a week, especially during the heat of the summertime. That's by far the best thing to do versus, you know, just going out there and sprinkling it a little bit, unless you're going to stay totally consistent. But the thing is, you know, if you can go out there and if you've got mulch and everything else, after you water where you just stand there for five, three or five minutes or something, pull the mulch away and then just see how, you know, how damp the soil is in that spot. Usually you're not going to get enough you know, moisture down into the soil to help the root systems at all. They're surface rooted, but that doesn't mean they're right at the surface. They can go down a couple inches and it still may be dry at that point. That's why you're better off to water for longer extended periods of time less often. Great. Thank you very much. Yep. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. We've got about nine more minutes uh, here for the Garden Hotline, so 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Then at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Adam Bold. 11 o'clock, the KMOX Home Improvement Show with Scott Mosby. And then 1 o'clock, Rick Edelman Show. 3 o'clock, the business of the family business with Ryan Recker. And then at 4 o'clock, the KMOX Auto Show with Greg Damon. So quite the lineup. Let's go to O'Fallon, Missouri, and into Susan's yard. Hi, Susan. Good morning, Mike. Uh, Thank you so much for your service and and for your expertise. Uh, We're having some landscaping done, and I'm wondering at this time of year, how many more weeks or perhaps what temperatures do I need to be concerned with do I have to still plant things? Um, we're looking at things like phlocks or azaleas or a Montgomery blue spruce. Um, is this an acceptable time of year to plant? I would be a little bit concerned. Are we talking about the creeping phlocks, the one that's a mat, or are we talking about the perennial one that's tall? We're talking about creeping. So... I'd be a little bit concerned about the flocks. I'd be a little bit concerned about, you know, the azalea, but I would not be concerned about the the blue spruce. Okay. I'm not saying you're going to have trouble with it, but it's, you know, those you know, the azaleas are generally sort of like recommended for, you know, planting in the springtime. Okay. And if the creeping flocks, the same thing. I'm surprised it was still available anyplace. Hmm. Um, he's, he said he's found them. All right. So, well, we should probably wait. Uh, but thank you so much. Yeah, but, I mean, there's any kind of woody thing, you know, besides broadleaf evergreen. So no holly, no rhododendrons, no azaleas, nothing like that. But anything that has needles on it, conifers, anything that has deciduous, so in other words, it loses its leaves, there's plenty of time to get that planted until the ground freezes. Let's go now to Frank's yard in St. Louis. Hi, Frank. Hello. Thank you for taking my call. How do you fertilize uh, blackberries and blueberries? Uh, basically, you want to do it, you know, not going into wintertime, and you can just get an all-purpose, you know, shrub food 
You don't need anything very specific for either one of them. But with the blueberries, make sure that you're getting a uh, fertilizer that has iron and sulfur in it, too. So, in other words, you want a fertilizer that on the box will say, you know, for acid-loving plants. The blackberries or blueberries or raspberries, the other ones, I mean, the blueberries need the acidic soil. The raspberries or blackberries don't need an acidic soil. Blueberries. Blueberries. Yeah. Yeah, blueberries need acidic soil, so they need a fertilizer with, you know, sulfur in it, with iron in it, and those kind of things. Now, what about if you've got a a large patch of of wild blackberries? How would you fertilize those? Uh, You don't really have to if they're really healthy. The best thing you can do is just maintain them. Go in there, watch them. If you have canes that came up that didn't produce any fruit, but you can just use an all-purpose fertilizer for it if you wanted to do that. But if they're wild and they look healthy and they're growing well, fertilizing is not necessarily going to be to their advantage because you may be forcing growth that's not, you know, that's, like I said, not to the advantage of the overall health of the colony or the, the sort of the fruit production. I'm just wanting to get a better berry out of them, a more healthier-looking berry. Yeah, uh, I would just use, I wouldn't use triple 12. I don't like that. That's an agricultural product. But to any kind of all-purpose, let's say, fertilizer for, you know, any kind of woody plant, so like a tree and shrub type food. Thank you. Okay, great. Good luck with that. And uh, now Oakville, that's where Rich lives. Hi, Rich. Hey, how you doing? Very good. Hey, I uh, buried a dogwood tree in my backyard. It's under a canopy. And when I bought it from the nursery, they told me to leave the burlap a little bit up out of the ground. And I'm concerned about that over the winter. Uh, Should I mulch over that or... I'm surprised, you know, I'm surprised they would tell you that, especially with the way the burlap is now. It's not classic burlap. It's usually some kind of high, you know, high-tech fiber. But what that burlap, leaving it up out of the ground, that could wick moisture away from your root system. So usually what you do is you, you know, you fold the burlap down into the hole, even if it's the kind that don't rot very well or all that other stuff, and not have it sticking up out of the ground. I would go out there and cut it off and then put, you know, put two or three inches of mulch, you know, around it. But don't put it up next to the trunk of your dogwood. Okay. And then, uh, I mean, it's it's getting real, it's actually getting buds on it right now. Yeah, it should. If it doesn't get buds. And there's green branches, so uh, it, it looks like it's doing okay. I didn't put it in at the ideal time. Sure. So, okay. And then my, I got one other quick question. I got this lime mount spear. It's a bush, S-P-I-R-E-A. Right, spirea. Okay. And I need to transplant them next year so they're in small uh, buckets. Uh-huh. And I just buried the whole bucket in the ground. That's exactly what. they do okay over the winter? Yeah, just make sure. So that I can uh, transplant them next year? Yeah, just make sure there's an inch or so of the top of the pot above the surrounding ground. Okay. But, yeah, you're fine with doing it that way, so you did it just right. But, yeah, your dogwoods, anything that's, you know, it should have flower buds on it for next year. So just, you know, my concern, again, is just wicking the moisture away. I never heard of leaving some of the burlap sticking up out of the ground. So thanks, Rich. That's that's what they told me to do, and my wife's been on me about it. She's like, I don't think that's right. And it was our birthday present, so Ah. I got to make sure it's Stay good. <laughs> sure. Thanks, Rich. And now let's go to Steve in St. Charles. Steve, how are you? Good. I transplanted, or I bought some seedling 
Norway spruce, spruce trees from the Department of Conservation this year, mm-hmm. and I plant them up in the country, but it's 80 miles away, and it was really dry this year, and I couldn't keep them going because I couldn't water them. In the springtime, I'd like to keep them at the house in some sort of pot or whatever and keep them watered and transplant them in the fall. Is that a good plan, and what do I put them in? How do you I can, handle it? You could just get regular black plastic nursery pots, one-gallon pots. You could put a couple in each pot since they're just, you know, more or less saplings, and uh, grow them in a pot. You could even grow them, like, maybe two, for a full two years or something where you can control everything to get an adequate root system established, then take them up and, you know, install them in the new location. 80 miles away or whatever. Okay. Cool. Yeah, and with you, again, use potting mix, don't use potting soil. So I keep saying that, but potting soil holds to, it retains too much moisture. That's the problem with the potting soils. So. Okay. Great. Good luck with that. I think that'll probably be our last call if we try to squeeze somebody in. It'll be one of those things where um, I'll be (laughs) very anxious. So, again, going back to some of the things that you need to be thinking about in your yard. Falling leaves. I live right across the street from Christie Park. There was one day, I guess it was on Wednesday, when it was so windy. I thought, oh, here comes the march of the leaves because they started marching uphill right into the yard. But what I'm doing right now, I have raked some, but I'm still just at the point where I am just running the mower over any leaves that blow up onto our yard. Uh, We sit up higher than the park, so we've got a slope that goes down to the sidewalk, and that's where they start banking up right at that point. You do not want leaves to build up in your yard on top of anything unexpected, and especially not lawn. That's not really good at all. So either mow them, rake them, or just get rid of them. And whether it's zoysia, you know, going dormant or anything else, you don't want a whole bunch of stuff piled up on it. And I'm going to emphasize this again. Keep watering. Because we don't have any idea what the winter's going to be like. And what happens is there could be trouble with the, there's a lot of air pockets in the soil and problematic. Another thing, too, is, you know, putting seed out. Seed may, lawn seed, seed may germinate, but its ability to get the root system into the ground deep enough and far enough so it doesn't pop up out of the ground during our freeze-thaw cycle. So putting grass seed out this late, it's going to be very much an iffy circumstance. So the best thing to do is just, you know, I don't know how the fall color is going to be, but enjoy it. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.